Placing a premium value on your health allows you to have a functioning heartbeat of hope, prosperity, and inspiration. For Jai Bioski, he's redefining fitness, perseverance, and resilience through fitness, coaching, and motivation. You see, for him, it's personal and gratifying to help others reach their fullest level of fitness potential. Why, you may ask? Because he nearly died after suffering a cardiac arrest. The near-death experience caused him to take an inventory of his life and make a career and life pivot away from the IT industry into health and fitness. And over the last 13 years, he's worked as a life coach and personal trainer, and he's even owned gyms, and right now, his focus is helping others maximize their fullest self from a fitness perspective online. His goal is to use his story and over 15 years of experience as motivation to build and foster a more healthier, happier, and vibrant community. Jai joined me this week to have an emotional, inspirational, and high-energy conversation about health, fitness, his life journey, and why his change of perspective on life has set him up for sustainable and long-lasting success. You'll surely be motivated by what he has to share. So, without further delay, I'm Kevin McShane. Let's have this conversation. moment to welcome you to the program and I'm super excited to learn about your journey in health and fitness today. Great to see you and thank you so very much for being here today. It's most appreciated. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, hey John, no problem. And I know that your journey started in health and fitness after you had a quite a scary event having a cardiac arrest and it caused you to make a career and life pivot so i'm wondering if you can tell me about who you are how you got to where you are today and what makes you so fabulous my friend yeah yes absolutely so um when i was 27 years old i was playing a game of basketball and my heart rate started to just do like a funny kind of fluttering and um after the game it just didn't go down like it normally would and i thought wow this is this is weird and um so hours went by i went home i had a shower i had some food i tried to relax and my heart rate was still as though i was playing a game of basketball and um i was still sweating and um i was starting to get dizzy and lightheaded and it just wasn't right but it wasn't just like a normal high heart rate it was an irregular heart rate so there would be like 10 beats like that and then there'd be like a pause for a second and then there'd be another flutter and it was just completely inconsistent and what was happening was uh, I wasn't getting the blood circulation going properly and so I was starting to get low blood pressure to my brain and I, I was feeling lightheaded and just really wasn't feeling well my skin was going pale so I thought better check myself into the hospital and um, so I went over to the hospital and um 
they didn't know what was going on with me. They actually thought that I was on some kind of drug, uh, like I was taking drugs and I came in high or something. So I was trying to tell them, no, that's not the case. And then um, I had my family with me. And so they asked my family to leave the room and they're like, look, you know, your family's gone now. You can tell us the truth. Just tell us what drug you've taken and we'll help you. And I'm like, I haven't taken any drugs. You need to do something. You need to figure this out Uh, because I'm starting to get anxious now. And they're like, okay, okay. So they finally believed me and then they said, look, we can give you, we can give you a drug that will stop your heart and then it will instantly start your heart again. This is for people that have like an arrhythmia issue. And then I said, look, you guys need to figure it out. I don't know. I don't know what to do. You guys need to figure it out. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll try it. I was like, all right, let's go. So then it was, uh, you know, via intravenous. So they gave me this drug. And then that's the last thing I remember for a while. I just I basically passed out. I fell into a coma. I was in a non-responsive coma for eight minutes because I had a adverse reaction to this particular drug. It didn't do what they thought it would do to me. It just dropped me into a coma. It didn't change my heart rate at all. So I was in a coma for eight minutes. They put a, a ventilator in me because I was completely non-responsive. And then in that time, my heart rate kept on increasing. And then it got to a point after eight minutes or so where I just went into a cardiac arrest. So then my heart just peaked out um, and then just flatlined. So then I'm lying in the hospital bed uh, for three minutes, clinically dead. They tried to defibrillate me. Nothing happened. They were about to pull the curtain over me. And then they're like, let's give this guy one more hit. So they powered up the defib, hit me again. Next thing you know, boom, I jump up. I'm choking on this, um, on this, um, you know, ventilator in my throat and, um, not knowing what the hell's going on. Um, so I actually, my memory is that I was projectile vomiting everywhere, which I wasn't. I was just choking on this thing, which I didn't know was in my throat. So my instinct, my, my first instinct was just, I just grabbed this thing and I just ripped it out of my mouth, um, without even thinking, which apparently is a bad thing to do. And then everybody freaked out and then they pushed me back down onto the bed and they're like, you just, you just ripped a ventilator out of your chest. We need to x-ray your chest. You've, you've potentially torn, you know, your trachea and all this. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was so exhausted. And then, so they put this heavy blanket on me, you know, like the x-ray blanket and they, um, they x-rayed my chest to make sure that I didn't have any damage in my throat, which luckily I didn't. And then they're like, okay, you're okay. And, um, when I came up, um, out of that, um, defibrillation my heart rate was regulated again so then they kept me overnight for observation i ended up staying in icu for another four or five days um this was like 13 14 years ago now 2008 and um and they were just trying to figure out what the hell happened they didn't understand what happened so they were taking blood tests every day monitoring me and during that whole time i was completely fine i had no symptoms there was nothing wrong with me at all and um and then you know after about four days or so the cardiologist comes in sits on the edge of the bed and he goes all right buddy here's the deal we believe that you have a uh, rare heart condition called wolf parkinson white syndrome which is an additional electrical pulse inside your heart and there's two ways to treat it we can put you on medication for the rest of your life which was just absolutely not an option for me or we could go in and do surgery and we can remove that piece of electricity from your heart by burning that part of the muscle tissue and singeing the muscle essentially and basically just eliminating that electrical pulse because we all have an electrical pulse which kind of like ignites the beat but i had a second one which had been dormant so they say my entire life and being under the stress of playing sport and just in that particular moment for whatever reason it decided to ignite and that's where i was getting this message to my brain for like a double beat so i opted for the surgery i thought that was the best option um i did the surgery i wanted to get it done as soon as possible i think i had to wait about a week i went out of hospital um i went back in a week later had the surgery and then i was on my road to recovery so then i spent three months at home the recovery was quite long and tedious and um mentally and physically it wasn't open heart surgery they went through my groin into my artery and they wound up these um wires basically that went up into my heart and then they sent like radio waves in there to burn the muscle and so i had um you know um stitches in my groin and so i couldn't stand up properly i was hunched over i couldn't walk up the stairs to get to my bedroom my parents had to get my 
my bed and set it up downstairs in the living room um so so that i could basically just stay down there um and so the physical recovery was uh, quite tedious and then the mental recovery was even more tedious because i had anxiety after that about um you know whether it was going to come back and resurface and then um, i was way more tuned into the beat of my heart because it was such a big uh traumatic event then i, I was always referring back and going am i okay am i okay and um and so every any little irregular heart like murmur beat anything i would feel it and get anxiety about it and so i was okay over those three months i went back to the cardiologist and um did some checks and stuff they said look we think you're okay we want you to monitor we want, we want to put you on a monitor for 24 hours so they put me on a monitor for 24 hours one of those little machines the ecg machines that you take home it's got all the tubes on your um, chest and you sleep with it overnight and then you give them back the results and they they check it all well they checked it all and they said look we don't actually think that this problem has gone away so we we want to do the surgery again and that just really that was probably like one of the lowest points at the at, at that moment because i'd felt like i'd come through this and it was such a traumatic experience and i thought look i'm on the road to recovery i'm going to get out of here this is going to be okay and then it was like bam all the way back to the beginning again and so I remember in that moment, that really took all of the courage. It took all of the, the fight in me. It just basically took everything for me to be able to deal with that. And so when I got off the phone with the cardiologist, I said to him, uh, the heart surgeon, I said to him, I want to get this done ASAP. So he booked me in. Um, it was six days from the conversation. And um, so I remember I went upstairs, I got in the shower and uh, turned that shower on and I just cried 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 just got all the emotion out i didn't know whether i was going to survive i thought i'm not meant to be here i'm not meant to be alive all these negative emotions were running through through my head and then i was in that shower and i thought okay i can't i can't do this i can't live like this so i said to myself as soon as i turn this shower off the emotions are turning off with it I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm not going to dwell on it. I've booked myself in and committed to go in and have this surgery again. And I'm not going to let it um, affect me negatively. I'm just going to not think about it. I'm going to get it done. It's going to be okay. And they're going to fix me for good. And then I'm going to move on with my life. And then, so I stayed in that shower for a couple more minutes and I just let all the emotions pour out of me. And then I held onto the, you know, the shower taps. And then I was just, I took a deep breath, turned that shower off. And then I said, that's it. And then I went down to my family and I told my family, I said, look, this is going to mess with my head if we keep talking about it every day and think, you know, and it's always on my mind. So I don't want to talk about it. It's booked in. It's happening. This is what we're doing. Let's just not talk about it. Just, I just want to focus on the positive and we'll just get through it. And so they're like, great, no worries. So, and they were fantastic. They never brought it up. They never said anything to me. They just kept me in a positive vibe. And um, I went in there, did the surgery, got the hell out of there, spent another three months recovering, went back and did all my testing, went and did a fitness test, like a stress test. They got me on the treadmill. Up until that point, I was really scared to get my heart rate up. And then I mentioned that to the cardiologist. I said, look, you know, like I have a fear about getting my heart rate up again. And then he said to me, look, you're in the space where you can do it now. We want to test you out. If anything happens, we're going to save your life. Don't worry about it. So I said, okay. So then I built up that courage again. I got on that treadmill and I ran like I've never ran before. I thought if I need to get over this anxiety of getting my heart rate up, then I need to really prove to myself that I'm going to be okay. So I got on that treadmill and I just cranked it. And then he's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, good, crank it up. How are you feeling? Good. Crank it up, crank it up. And to the point where I was sprinting so hard, taking my biggest strides and just getting my, that heart rate was just pounding. Jumped off the treadmill, heart rate came down like normal, felt good. It was the first time I'd had exercise in six months. Felt amazing, actually. That was monitored the whole time. He said, you look great. So um, he goes, everything looks fantastic. Had another uh, meeting with him. And then he said, look, I never want to see you again. You're fantastic. Everything's done. We're 100% certain that you're fine. So I just went out of there with a new lease on life went out of there thinking, wow, I survived this. And then that just created this mindset for me. It's like, 
hang on a second, I am meant to be here. There, there was a reason for all this. All this pain, this brought up all this courage for me. And and then I felt like I can do anything now. And then that's when I was I decided that, you know, I'm no longer going to live my life doing anything that creates disharmony to me, anything that, I, that I'm not happy with, any circumstances, anything. I'm just going to move on from it with full courage and and just knowing that I can change anything in my life. And so it was a very overall, it was a very traumatic experience at the time, but um, going through it, it actually gave me a lot of courage or we all have the courage in us. It brought the courage out of me that I didn't know I had. And that's the great thing. And that's the great message as well is that the courage is within us. And we just sometimes have to go through these types of experiences to realize that that we have it and that we can use it to improve and better our lives. And that's really what has happened ever since that time is my life has just been getting better and better and better because I've just had that courage to take chances and um, and just move forward in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know from that experience that you must have an interesting perspective when it comes uh, to the concept of Perseverance. So I'm wondering if you could share your thoughts on the concept of both perseverance and resilience. Yes, definitely. I mean, um, you know, going through that type of experience, you, you don't have a choice. And that's kind of like the beauty of that situation as well. It's because you have to persevere in that perspective of there's no other option. And so that's a good mindset to carry forward as well, where we, we aren't always pushed into such pressure moments so to, in order for us to um, develop a mindset of perseverance we have to um, artificially create that pressure in order for us to persevere so um, using that I am able to create that perseverance for myself by just getting into that mindset of there is no other option. So I tell myself there is no other option. When I when there's something that I want and I know that it's going to take hard work to get there or it's going to be a challenge, then I say to myself, like, I mean, I know that the work has to be done. I know that the consistency has to be put in and the effort has to be put in. And so I say to myself, you do not have another option. Like, for example, um, after I came out of all of the um, physical rehabilitation i started googling and trying to figure out how to get my cardio strength how to get my heart stronger and develop you know more cardiovascular strength and all of the articles and everything that i read it all came back to you know doing cardiovascular exercises so i thought okay well i'll sign up i'll start running and i'll sign myself up for a half marathon so and i'd never really run before outside of playing sports like basketball i'd never been like a jogger or a runner and so i signed myself up for a half marathon which was three months away from the time that i signed up and i thought wow i haven't given myself much time so that created that pressure for me to to have to put in the work every day so i woke up every morning at six o'clock and i just hit the pavement and i ran for half an hour every day and at first it was so painful it was extremely hard for me my body was aching i started to develop shin splints from just not running properly i had to change my shoes and get shoe inserts and just and i just pushed through it every day every day and then when I was actually running in the half marathon, my goal was just don't stop. It doesn't matter like, you know, how long it takes you, just don't stop. Just keep running the whole way through. And so I was running that race and that's um, in kilometers, that's 21.2 kilometers. And so I was running that race and I got to about the, I think I was at the 18th kilometer and I hadn't stopped. And, and I just had a moment that came into my head. It's like, you've just done 18 kilometers, more than you've ever done in your entire life. And then it just filled me with this um, energy because I was I was feeling flat at that point. I was like ready to give up. And then I just said to myself to create that perseverance and to create that mindset, I said to myself at that 18th kilometer, I said, okay, you got two options, run or die. That's it. You're not stopping. And so I said, well, I'm definitely not going to die. So I'm going to keep running. And so I just gave myself that ultimatum. And then I just ran and I never stopped. And then every time I saw that sign for that 19th kilometer, 20th kilometer, and it just gave me more power. It just empowered me more. It's like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. So I kept on seeing these little wins that kept on boosting me up. And it's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to achieve it. And then next thing you know, I see the finish line. And then all of a sudden, I just had this energy that came rushing through me. And where does this come from? I've just completely physically 
exerted myself to the point where I've never exerted myself that much in my entire life. Yet I see a finish line and then I get all this energy and it's from the mindset. And that's the whole point of the story is that all of our energy, all of our perseverance, all of our strength and everything, it all comes from our mind and how we think and how we perceive. And so um, that's really where the perseverance comes from. When we have these negative deflated um, minimalist type of thought patterns, that's when that lowers our energy. And that's when we start to feel like we can't do things and we're not capable and we're not like other people and we're not as good as other people or whatever it may be. But uh, when you start to go, I can, I can, I'm doing this, it's happening. Um, then you just get this energy start flooding through your body, the endorphins release, and you just start, it just happens somehow. And that's the power of the mind. So it's quite amazing for me to experience all that. And so going through those experiences has really showed me that I can do anything. I can really, we all can. And that's really a big message that I have. It's like, you can do this. You just got to get, you know, between the ears, correct. And, and that's how we're going to move forward. And I know that it's important to you to now help others with injury prevention. And you really believe that fitness is a priority. So I'm wondering if you can share why you believe that's so important, my friend. Yeah, so um, going back to when I was in hospital, um, there was a time where I was uh, up in the cardiac ward. I was waiting you know, for my surgery and I was in a room with about eight or nine other men and they were all looked like they were in terrible situations. They did not look healthy at all. And these um, therapists were coming in at, from time to time. They just pull the curtain across, you know, to the to separate, you know, create the privacy screen, and then they'd sit in there and have a therapy session right there. So I've got this guy right next to me having this therapy session, and this therapist is basically preparing them for death to what it seemed, and it really was shocking for me because these guys were literally on death's door. They were going in for you know quadruple bypasses and transplants and all these really heavy, heavy surgeries on their hearts. And I was just blown away because I was looking around and all these men were in their 50s, 60s. They weren't overly old, but I could see just from their body type and how they looked that they just hadn't been taking care of themselves. And I thought, I just got this epiphany and I, I thought, you know what? Nobody needs to be here. This is not the place to be. I thought to myself, prevention is the cure. And so that's when I got the idea in my head. It's like, you know what? I'm going to get myself out of here. I'm going to get myself so strong, so healthy through fitness and lifestyle. And then I'm going to pay that forward. And I'm going to help people like all these people around me to not get themselves in this situation and use fitness and health as the backbone of their lifestyle in order to avoid places like this. So for me, I think it's the foundation for everybody. I think that no matter what type of success you want to have in your life, whether it's a relationships, career, finances, um, anything at all, really, the backbone and foundation of that is to live with fitness and health in your in your life because it empowers you so much. It gives you that courage, that strength, um, that confidence to be able to take on the big challenges that you want to take on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jai, I, I don't know if you did any research on me, but, but I was born with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy. And Timberman said, I, I don't have uh, enough oxygen in my life to walk normally, but I still uh, use fitness as a major part of my life because if I don't move, uh, my friend, my mu muscles contract faster than yours. So tell me about making fitness a priority and how important you believe that is to, to your overall quality of life. It's so important. I think, you know, when people are in situations like yourself and like my past, we can easily see the, the contrast of it because we've been through, you know, times in our life where we haven't had optimal health. But there's a lot of people just walking around and they're just numb and they're not super healthy, but they're not super fit. They're kind of just in that limbo state where they're just kind of cruising by and, you know, they don't have major, major issues, but they're just, they're not in a good place. And those are really the people that are suffering the most in my mind because they're the ones that don't realize how much fitness can enhance your whole life from a mindset perspective and just making you happy. 
um, and confident, but then also from that physical perspective, like that strength and empowerment that you get from, you know, being able to exercise and see those results and see the, and feel how your body responds to that is so empowering. And I really think that everybody should be experiencing that. And, and it's true, like similar to your situation, your situation is extreme, but everybody really does have that degrade like that degrading feeling of their body like in terms of like lack of oxygen you know oxygen in the body in the limbs in the brain all that stuff it creates muscle um, soreness achy joints um you know like you see people stand up off the couch and like they walk like they're you know 30 years older than they are for the first you know 10 15 seconds until the blood starts to circulate through when you're when you're um exercising regularly you don't have those feelings your body is always efficient you have good blood circulation i mean oxygenated blood is the life force within us if we don't have oxygenated blood flowing through our bodies then our bodies aren't healing and staying youthful they're degrading and getting old i, I have a saying it's from tony robbins you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting and there's no in-between in nature. So you need to look at that perspective. You can't just kind of float through the middle. You either need to be, you need to acknowledge whether are you green and growing? Are you pushing yourself and challenging yourself to, to, to stay green? Or um, are you, are you ripened up or are you ripening and rotting? So um, yeah, it's very, very important. And just creating that foundation of fitness, starting at square one and building yourself up from there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jerry, I'm also uh, fascinated to ask you about the career transition you went through because I uh, know that you had a career in IT, but you found a higher calling in fitness. So tell me about making the leap of faith and changing that your career path and sort of the, the impact that's had on your life. Yeah, definitely. So again, all this came back from the experience I had with the cardiac arrest because it empowered me to want to change my life. So at that time, I was a network engineer um, in an IT company and I'd been in that career for 13 years and I loved it at first, but then I started to lose my passion for it over the years to the point where I actually started to hate it. And that got me into a, a daily routine where I'd wake up in the morning, my alarm would go off, I put my feet off the edge of the bed and I'd put my hands into my head like this. And I would just say to myself, I can't believe I have to do this again today. And it was just depressing and I just hated it. And I didn't want to live a life like that. And so having that courage from going through the experiences that I went through, I said, you know what, I'm going to throw it in. I'm going to do what I love. And after the experiences in the hospital where I realized that I wanted to live a life of service to others, I wanted to um, help people to get out of their um, situations with their bad health. And I wasn't doing that in my career. I didn't feel fulfilled in my career. I didn't feel like I was helping the world and people in any way. It, it wasn't giving me that feedback that I needed, that I urged for from that moment. So that's when I decided, you know what, I need, I'm need. i interested in this. I'm interested in being healthy now for the rest of my life and not only being healthy, but being at peak level of fitness and health so that I never have any health issues again. And so that was that started to develop into a passion for me where I was doing a lot of research and reading a lot of books and just really interested in that topic. And then I thought, wow, this is a career opportunity here. And so that's when I decided to um, to study and become a, a qualified personal trainer um, and a life coach and do that transition. So um, I was lucky enough to that I was working in my previous career for 13 years that I had some long service and I had a little bit of money stacked up. So I was able to use that as my buffer to get myself going, kick off my business. And, um, and then it basically went from there. And so now I've been able to help thousands of people and, you know, and I just work with them with the, with the principle of square one, you know, like let's get you back to the foundation. Like, what do you want? What do you need? Where are you at? And then just work with the individual from there and just guide them from, from where they are now to where they need to be. So it's not a cookie cutter, um, generic, you know, plan or program for everybody. It's exploring where they are 
and then helping them take those steps, both from a mental perspective and from a physical perspective to shorten the timeline that it takes to actually figure it out yourself. Because I'd done all of that study and, and had that interest over so many years that I'd learned so much that I could see just from looking at somebody or having a consultation with somebody, I could see exactly the steps that they weren't doing that they needed to do that would completely fast track them to get them to where they needed to be and create so much happiness and joy in their life. So um, that's where it all kind of started from. And and that's what I've been doing now for 13 years. Uh, well, it's been quite the journey, my friend. And I have to tell you that I live my life through the saying that Inclusion is the gateway to independence. And, you know, I think making fitness is, uh, inclusive is vitally important. And I know that one of your, your taglines for the work you do now is fitness for everybody. So tell me, how can we make fitness a more inclusive experience? And what does fitness for everyone mean to you? For me, it means that it, it should be for everybody and it is for everybody. And it's to me, there's like a perception of a fitness culture and a lot of people are deterred by that. They're like, oh, I'm not into that gym culture. I'm not into that fitness culture. You know, the Insta snaps and the um, selfies and all this kind of stuff. And yes, that is part of it, but that's a very small part of it. I always felt like I was never aligned with fitness culture. Um, because I always just did things my own way and I just worked directly with people. So for me, fitness is zoning in on the individual and isolating what it is that they need to enhance their life. It's about the individual. So fitness for everybody means um, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have different circumstances. We all come from different backgrounds. We've all got our own trauma and our own experiences. And so we need to use that those experiences to figure out what the best way is to incorporate fitness into our life. So, you know, some people like myself who have had physically physical health issues, which then turned into, um, you know, mindset issues around anxiety, health anxieties, things like that. Um, so there's a certain way to deal with that type of person. And then there's other people that suffer with just things like, um, you know, overeating and gaining too much weight and just always being, you know, the fat kid or just having, having that kind of negative persona around them that they haven't been able to break through. So then that's a totally different approach as well. So the person who is obese doesn't need to approach fitness the same way as somebody who wants to get totally jacked and, and compete in a, um, a body, competition you know like a fitness competition or, or an athlete for example so it's very unique and it's very individual just like life and fitness is life for me you know it is a huge part of life like my morning routine is all based around my health you know i wake up i do a morning pump i do either some burpees or some push-ups or some pull-ups or some kind of body weight exercise as soon as i wake up and then that gives me the blood oxygen that I was talking about before, and then it changes your mindset. It puts you into a positive mindset for the day. You're motivated. You've got a little win already. As soon as you wake up, you've got a little win that you can tick off. It's like, yeah, I already, I've already done my morning pump. I've already done some exercise. And that's not my actual workout. That's just, that's just to get my body awake after lying in a bed for eight hours. So um, doing these little things just really empower us. And so I think we need to take that approach of, um, working with the individual specifically and doing what it is that they need that is the best thing for that person. And and to me, that's what fitness for everybody is. It's where it's not generic, it's specific. Yeah, absolutely. And Dad, tell me, would you look at putting uh, fitness as a priority in life? I'm wondering if you can provide sort of a road roadmap for success for people who really want to elevate uh, the priority they put in fitness, but, but not necessarily something that they've done throughout the course of their life. So what do you think is the key to making fitness a priority and what sort of a roadmap can people start with? 
That's a great question. So the first thing is to make it a priority. So you have to put yourself first. It's like, you know how they say when you get on an airplane, you've got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help the people next to you. It's the same thing with your health and your fitness. You need to put that oxygen mask on yourself first by taking care of yourself first. So for me, I think a great roadmap is having a, a morning routine. So a lot of people say, I'm not a morning person, but you have to um, you have to audit your habits. A lot of people who say that they're not morning people, they say that because they're very tired in the morning because they stay up late with bad habits, maybe, you know, binging on Netflix or flicking through their phone or just generally staying up later than they should when a lot of that stuff is time wasting where they could get that extra sleep to wake up and put their health before their leisure. So there's a, a, a theory that I like and it's um, it's your pain becomes your purpose. And so you want to use the the pain to create your purpose. So you wake up in that morning, it might be uncomfortable to set the alarm for 5am or 6am or 4am or whatever it needs to be. There might be a little bit of pain around that, but that is where your purpose comes from. So we're choosing the pain over the pleasure, the pleasures of staying up, up late at night and watching Netflix and, and that. And we're, and we're focusing on the pain and then the pain starts to eventually come down and then you start to enjoy it and then it actually starts to become your lifestyle and it starts to become a pleasure so the roadmap for me and what i recommend is to create a morning routine where you stack little wins on top of each other in the morning before your day even begins when everybody else is asleep you're stacking your little wins so for example you have that alarm set um, well, really, it starts the night before. You have a, a nighttime curfew, you know, going to bed at nine o'clock tonight or whatever, whatever it needs to be so you can get enough sleep. So then you wake up at the set time that you say, even when you don't feel like getting out of bed, you have to get out of bed because that's the beginning. That's what starts that routine off. So you get out of bed. And then the first thing you do is you drink some water and you hydrate your body. Maybe you can take some supplements or, you know, some activated charcoal or some kind of detox or something that you like to do. I personally, I take activated charcoal in the morning. It's a great detox. It's just a powder. I have a half a teaspoon in a half a glass of water and I stir that around and I drink that down. Another thing I do in the morning is I have a shot of apple cider vinegar. It helps get the digestion going and it wakes you up actually. And then I do my morning pump. So my morning pump can be anywhere from 20 to 50 repetitions of an exercise that challenges me. I love doing burpees because burpees are great cardio and they give you a good muscle pump as well. They get the oxygen flowing. Obviously, not everybody can jump straight into an intense exercise like burpees. So it might just be some bodyweight squats or it might be some push-ups or some sit-ups or just something that you can do that's not... Um, that, that's achievable for you. That's not too much of a, like, you know, that's going to mess with your mind and say, oh, this is going to take too much of my mental energy. Just something quick that you can do. Even if you start with 10 repetitions, say you did 10 body weight squats or 10 push ups, something like that, just to get the blood flowing. Then straight away, it's like, wow, done. Tick that box. Writing all this down in a journal. I have a, in my diary, I have an A4 size diary and then I have my morning process. So I write everything down, have my supplements my morning pump. And then I read a few pages from a book. I don't need to dive into a whole book for an hour. I don't have time for that, but I'll just read a few pages. So I'll open up, I'll read a few pages, and then I'll find something that really resonates. And then I'll take a photo of that. And then I'll just keep that in my mind for the day. Um, I'll often share that on my social media as well. Um, so now I've stacked so many wins. I woke up um, at the time I said I was going to wake up. There's a win. I've had some supplementation and some hydration. There's another win. I've had a little morning pump. There's another win. Um, I've read a few passages from a book. There's another win. So already I'm winning the I'm winning the morning. I've got four wins already, and it's only I've only been awake for half an hour or twenty minutes. So um, by doing those little things, I think that's a great way to get going. And then that encourages you then, okay, now I'm going to go and do my exercise. What is the exercise? This is where it comes back to the individual. So for most people who are just getting started, it's probably just going to be a walk, getting outside and walking the dog or just going for a walk, getting those steps up. If you can get 3,000 steps in the morning, wow, you're winning. You're going to feel great. You know, you can put a podcast in while you're walking or some music that's going to inspire you. Take nice deep breaths to 
oxygenate the body, get that fresh air in, get it out in nature, get some sunshine on your body and, you know, get that vitamin D and then come back home, have your shower, and then you have your healthy meal. So you have a set meal. So you're not just going to go, oh, what am I going to eat today? I'll grab something at the cafe when I go and grab a coffee. No, you're going to have a set meal that is going to serve you, that's going to make you healthy. So, you know, it might be a smoothie. It might be some, like a fruit bowl or, you know, whatever it is for you based on your dietary requirements and your goals, you can figure that out. And that is what you're going to have every morning. So we're creating these little routines that develop and then you start to love it. Like my morning routine is I love it so much that when I go away for a holiday, I'm out of my routine and, and I'm out of my sorts. Like I'm, I'm, I wish I was home in a way. Like I love that I'm out on a holiday, but at the same time, I miss my routine. I love waking up and following my routine. I love ticking boxes off in my diary. It, those little wins just boost my confidence. They make me feel good and they set me up for a productive day. And then you just continue on with your day and you add in, you know, the things that are important to you, you the work. So I, I call it the highest value tasks. So the highest value tasks in your life are going to be the things that bring the most return long term, not the little quick wins, but the, the long return. So, you know, taking care of your health by doing exercise and, you know, having a planned healthy meal, that's a, you're going to get a long-term return from that. So that makes that a high-value task. So getting those high-value tasks done, three or four of them a day, as early as possible, are going to really progress you in your life and take you forward. And that is both from a fitness and health perspective, but also from a business business and career perspective. So if you're working in a career, say you're a sale, in sales, so what are the highest value tasks that you can do in your job? It's going to be reaching out probably, making sales calls, uh, generating leads, you know, whatever the highest value tasks are, they're the things that you focus on first. And I think that is how you set that roadmap up to have the, the outcomes that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And just building on that point, Diane, I'm also wondering your thoughts on, on how your personal health, development, and, you know, your growth are sort of interconnected. Because you're, if you take care of yourself from a physical perspective, everything else manifests itself, doesn't it? Absolutely. I don't think that you can have the personal development without the health i think that the health is the foundation of everything so i think if you want to you know go into some kind of personal development say you, there's an area of your life that's not fitness and health related that you want to develop say you want to be really really rich and successful in your career or you know something like that i think that you're not going to have that level of success without that foundation of health and fitness because that's what that's what actually builds that um, that mindset for you. And that's what creates that ability for you to rise up. If you don't have a strong foundation, then the house will sink, right? So it's the same for us. We need that foundation. It's, it is literally for everything. It is the, to me, it is the most important thing because if you think about all of the problems that you could have in your life, what is the worst problem? The absolute worst problem that you could have in your life is a health problem. It's not a financial problem. You can overcome a financial problem. You know, it's not a relationship problem. You can overcome a relationship problem. But if you've got a health problem, then that impacts your relationships. It impacts your ability to earn income. It impacts your ability to take care of your family. It impacts everything. Um, so to me, it is, it is the everything. It is the everything for everything. Having that fitness is the mindset that we need to have for, for whatever goal we want to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you know, reading up on your job, I found out that uh, you, you used to sort of burn the candle at both ends and really sort of stretch yourself from a mental and physical perspective. And you also tell me that your diet wasn't always the best. And I, I'm curious how uh, you, you value sort of your mental health and what does it mean to you to sort of reverse the trend if burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. So I think that um, at that time, I, was e I wasn't I was paying attention to the signs. So there's always signs that we're not 
that we're burning the candle basically. So, you know, like, oh, I'm chasing my energy today. Um, you know, I'm really tired or I feel mentally not right or wow, I'm starting to gain this weight on my belly or um, I'm not fitting into my clothes. So all these things are little signs or I'm always agitated or I snapped at that person and that was, that wasn't me. Um, you know, my temperament's changed or people are, are, are stepping back in relationships from me, you know, like I'm rubbing people the wrong way. Um, I'm always having conflicts with people. So all of these little things are signs. And um, I was ignoring all of the signs. I was ignoring my body fat growing. I was ignoring uh, my sleep wasn't good. I was ignoring the fact that I was getting agitated and angry very easily. I was ignoring... Um, I was just ignoring that I, I, I wasn't happy and I, and I didn't have the energy that I used to have when I was younger. And I was also ignoring that, um, I shouldn't be eating these types of foods. Like I was going to McDonald's like three or more times a week and just eating that food because I didn't even know why I just got into a negative routine. And when I was eating it, I actually had guilt. And that's another sign. So I would drive through that McDonald's and I would think, I hope nobody sees me. So, you know, if I'm having guilt about something, that's another sign. So you don't want to, you know, you could imagine that there's a camera on you 24-7. What would you do? You know, that's the kind of mindset. And so, yeah, I think that um, I was burning the candle at both ends through work as well because I was I was working really long hours to try and get things done because I was stressed. And um, I think that I was working ineffectively. I wasn't working efficiently enough. I wasn't staying on top of things because my day would start so slow because I'd wake up lethargic and with minimal energy. And then I'd prioritize things like coffees and I wasn't prioritizing my highest value tasks like I was mentioning before. So I didn't have my priorities in order. And so then my days ended up becoming harder and longer. And so that's how I, I ended up burning the candle because um, I wasn't efficient in my day and in my tasks. I wasn't, I didn't have a diary that I was prioritizing my um, high value tasks in and what I needed to do. So everything was kind of like reactive um, rather than proactive. And so that's how I burnt myself out. And then on top of that, you know, my energy was so low that I didn't have the willpower to improve anything. So I didn't have the willpower to make a healthy meal. Rather, I would go to the drive-through and I didn't have the willpower to try and develop natural energy by getting more sleep and staying hydrated and eating more fruits and vegetables. So I would rely on coffee. And then I developed a habit where I was having, you know, four or five coffees a day. And then that was impacting my sleep further and burning me out further. So I was getting into this spiral that was just taking me down further and further and further to the point where it was just too much for me. And I was just, I couldn't deal with normal day-to-day -day situations. I was too agitated, too tired, too stressed. And I realized that this isn't me. So that's when, you know, I, the kind of the penny dropped and I was like, I'm not living right. So again, a lot of us have to go through these stages where things get really low before they can come better and so i try and create that awareness for people to don't let it get that low like i let i let my life get that low and that impacted me and yeah i was able to come through that but i can save you a lot of time and effort by pulling you out now early before you start sinking and make those changes so that you can enhance your life and move even further forward faster than what you ever anticipated yeah absolutely and I'm also fascinated to ask you about what does the concept of gratitude mean to you? Oh, man, gratitude is everything. You know, I wake up every morning grateful to be alive. You know, after losing my life for three minutes and after, you know, thinking that I, I, I wasn't meant to be alive, you know, when I had to have the second round of heart surgery, I was like, why is this happening to me? Am I even meant to be here? You know, I had all of these conflicting thoughts and questions. And then once I got through it, I was like, you know what? I'm empowered. I've got a message. I've got a purpose. I've got um, a reason to be alive. And I'm so thankful for that. And it sets up my day. So every morning I have an affirmation that I say to myself, and it is, thank you, God. I'm so grateful for my healthy life. And uh, so I'm so grateful for my um, healthy body and my long, awesome life. So I just say that every morning and whenever I feel like even actually, you know, sometimes you get 
like a song stuck in your head that you hate and you want to get it out, I go back to my affirmation. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for my healthy body and my awesome long life. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for my healthy body and my awesome long life. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for my healthy body and my awesome long life. I'm starting to get goosebumps now. It just it, it, it changes your vibration, it changes your frequency, and it heals your body. So um, having that gratitude is, I think, important because we have to set us we have to set our frequency up to what we want to align with the things we want so if you are in a mindset of need like i need this i need this then really what that mindset is is a mindset of lack it's a mindset of i don't have that thing so that frequency that your thoughts are putting out are going to attract that same frequency so frequencies attract frequencies so if i'm constantly saying to myself i don't have this i don't have this i don't have this i need this i need this i need this then then the frequency that i'm projecting out is that i don't have it and I, and so what i attract into my life is is just that i don't have it and so I'll never accomplish things. And this is a, a mindset shift that a lot of people don't understand and, and can empower them and can help them to move towards their goal is rather than say, for example, um, say, for example, you need to lose a lot of weight. And then if you keep on saying to yourself, like, oh, like I, I need to lose so much weight. I'm so fat. I'm so overweight. Like it's just, you know, it's so slow. All of those, all of those words have a frequency, have a vibration to them. And so whatever you're putting out there, whatever you're saying is creating that vibrational frequency. And that's what you're going to attract. You're going to attract, this is hard. This is slow. I'm overweight. I can't get there. This is taking too long. This is a struggle. So rather, let's switch it to the gratitude. Even if you're not there yet, you know, even if you don't have perfect health, be grateful for perfect health, even though you don't have it. So let's say that you need to lose, you know, 50 pounds. Then you say to yourself, I'm so grateful that I've lost 50 pounds. I'm so grateful that I've lost 50 pounds. I'm so grateful that I've lost 50 pounds, even though you haven't. But what you're doing is you're projecting out a frequency of gratitude. And then what that does is that frequency then aligns the universe to work with you to then give you what you want because the universe is going to give you whatever you want regardless and where un unknowingly we're manipulating the, the the universe basically to to bring in and to draw in what we want so rather than saying like i'm so sick of being 50 pounds overweight i don't know how i'm going to lose this 50 pounds this is taking so long this is so hard to lose this 50 pounds rather than saying that just act as if just you know it's almost like the fake it till you make it it's I'm so grateful that I've lost that 50 pounds. I'm so grateful that that 50 pounds came off so fast. I'm so grateful that I found the way to lose this 50 pounds. I'm so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And when you just put that, feel, it feels better. It, even if it just feels better, then that's a bonus, you know, as opposed to what you're saying yourself that's making those negative emotions rise up for you, that frustrated emotion that rises up when you say, oh, I don't have this. Just purely by saying that you do have it and that you're grateful for it, it just makes you feel better. So why wouldn't you do that anyway? And then when you start to do that, then all of a sudden that gratitude starts to expand out into your reality and then you actually start receiving. So you have to be grateful in order to receive. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Jay, uh, today or this month rather is uh, a Women's History Month. So on. I'm curious to ask you about what the occasion means to you. You and why do you think it's so important that we have to celebrate Women's History Month? I think it's, you know, the feminine energy is such a beautiful energy and it's something that we need to embrace. You know, I feel like male masculinity and femininity and femininity need to come together and that's what makes us whole so you know that's you know my relationship with my wife she's feminine and i'm masculine and together we feel like we are whole she has she brings elements and she brings aspects of you know her the way she thinks and her perspective and her kindness and her gentleness and just her approach and just perspective overall she brings things that I don't bring. And then I bring things that she doesn't bring, you know, that masculinity, that um, high energy, that, um, you know, just 
you know, just that, that strength. And they're both positive and they're both beautiful. And we need both, but we also need to, you know, work with what we have. And so when we can combine those two energies together, that's what makes humanity. And, um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. So I think that, you know, just as much as that female energy, that feminine energy is important. So is that masculine energy. So is that male energy. They're both very important. They're both, um, you know, in their highest form, they're both gentle and kind and loving and come from a great space. And that's what makes great parenting. That's what uh, makes, you know, a great culture. And that's what makes a great world full of um, humanity where everybody is loving um, from their own space on, of their own energy. So everything is equally beautiful in my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Dad, I've got just two more questions for you. And the first has to do from a fitness pers- uh, from a fitness perspective, how important is it, do you believe, that we really have to listen to our bodies from a fitness perspective when things are going right and when they're going wrong? How important is it, do you think, that we have to listen to our bodies? That is a great question because we all know how our body feels. I can't tell anybody how they're feeling. They know how they're feeling and we often deny it. And this is why I was saying before about, you know, chasing your energy by having stimulants like coffee or or drugs or something like that. So listening to your body and tuning into what your body is telling you, it will give you all the answers that you need. And it's just the issue that a lot of people have is that they just deny it or they brush it to the side. But a great way to really tap into that energy and that knowingness is by journaling. Um, just every day, just writing a few paragraphs of how you're feeling. You know, last night I had a rough sleep or last night I had crazy dreams or uh, last night I had an amazing sleep and I'm well rested. And and then you start to think, well, if I had a really bad sleep, I wonder why I had a bad sleep. And it was like, oh, you know what? It was because I had that conversation with my boss yesterday and that made me feel a little bit unworthy. And then you start to, you can dive into that. And so just tapping into that awareness, it's self-awareness really, isn't it? And tapping into that self-awareness of how you're feeling will then um, be your compass to guide you towards the actions that you need to do. And again, when you go back to that morning routine and having that process, that's always going to be your default to fall back on. So whenever you feel like you're, you know, things aren't right or you don't feel like you're, you know, at your optimal level of health or your mindset isn't feeling the best you're not feeling totally happy you want to have something that you can just go back to straight away that's going to realign you and that's where you just jump straight into those habits into that mindset into winning the morning into stacking those little wins as i was saying and then that just kind of transitions everything back but having that self-awareness is really important tapping in to self how you're feeling journaling it out and really trying to understand yourself as much as possible and you know reading books books are uh, an amazing way to understand different concepts and have things explained to you in ways that you can help you understand yourself because other people's experiences help you to understand yourself better so my story that i shared has hopefully helped other people to think about their lives in a different way and just unlocked something for them where they're like you know what i'm similar to jai in in that way and i think that this would benefit me as well if i if i do some of these things that he's talking about so um yeah tapping in and being self-aware i think is is the is really the foundation of how you start that process of getting healthier and living that lifestyle because it's it's the tapping in and and looking within that is going to give you all of the answers as to what you actually need in that moment yeah absolutely and uh, i can't thank you enough for your time today buddy but my Final question for you today has to do with your own personal and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. Absolutely. So um, I think that we've all got past experiences. We've all got our own unique history and um, we can either some people use that and they end up becoming a victim from that and so they end up building excuses around as to i don't have the life i want because of my past experiences so i think that what we need to do is we need to turn our 
past and our pain into our purpose in our life to empower ourselves and other people. So if I was to leave people with anything, it is to find your uniqueness, the experiences that you've gone through, turn them into your superpower, and then live that life. And then what that will do will encourage other people to do the same. So if I can live my life with full empowerment based on my past experiences, good or bad, then I think that that will then help other people to do the same and that will have a ripple effect. We'll have a domino effect where everybody starts to develop this mindset of your pain is your purpose. Use your pain, use your past and empower yourself with that. It happened for a reason. You know, the world happens for us. It doesn't happen to us. So it's shifting that mindset to be more empowered. And that is really the legacy that I would love to leave is for people to think of me as, you know, that guy just went for it. That guy just, you know, he knew what he wanted and he did it. He empowered himself. He found it within himself and he showed us that anybody can do that. He came from, you know, near death to turning everything around and just living the life that he wanted to live and just having the courage to just go for it and having the positivity to know that if you really want something in your heart, then you can go for that. You can take those risks and and if you stay positive and with gratitude, you will have that thing that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell me finally, if people want to get connected with the good work that you do, buddy, what's the best way they can do that? So the best way to get in contact with me or to just even follow along and see my morning process and how I live my life is through Instagram. So my Instagram handle is sq1fitness, A-U-S, A-U-S for Australia, SQ1 for square one. So that's sq1fitness, A-U-S. I'm on Instagram every day. I share my life. I share my uh, my wins, I share my philosophy, and um, and I, I can also be easily contacted through there. Um, I also have a website, sq1fitness.com.au, if you wanted to have a little explore at uh, what I do and, and the work that I do. Fantastic. Well, John, I have to tell you, you have quite the inspirational and thought-provoking story, my friend, and I want to thank you for getting up so early to share your story of courage, inspiration, and your life experience, my friend. I wish you all the best in your continued endeavors to build a healthier and happier existence and world, my friend. And I want to thank you for joining me this morning. It's most appreciated. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I appreciate you.